Hello and welcome to another episode of the Troy Francis Show, being beamed to you live from my studio in central London. So welcome to everybody who listened to the show last week. Thank you for coming back. If you didn't, then head to SoundCloud and you can hear the what was in fact the second episode of the Modern uh, Casanova podcast saved there. Anyway, so a new week. It's been a very, very busy week. Loads going on, lots of work going on behind the scenes to bring you the wonderful Troy Francis Modern Casanova textbook, which is due out uh, at the beginning of April. So lots of work going into that behind the scenes. Lots of work uh, writing new content for you guys to read, both at Return of Kings, where you can find me on Wednesdays, and over at my website, realtroyfrancis.com. That's realtroyfrancis.com. So head over to either of those internet-based locations if you'd like more from me in the written form. And also, as I said last week, uh, I would really encourage you to come over to Twitter and follow me on Twitter. So at Twitter, my handle is at Troy7Laws. That's at Troy7Laws, with uh, seven being the digit as opposed to the word. If you go over there, um, the I've been really taking Twitter a lot more seriously, I suppose you could say, in recent um, in recent uh, weeks and months. And there's a, a growing group of followers over there who are very active, actually. Very, um, we get into a lot of conversations during the week about how we're getting on, about game, about women, about what's going on, you know, in our lives and so on. And I try to put out a lot of daily content on there because obviously doing an article, doing a couple of articles on the blog, doing an article on Return of Kings once a week, doing this podcast once a week, that's great. Um, but if you're looking for real daily contact, real daily advice, tips, tricks, techniques, actionable thoughts that you can really utilize and put into into practice in your daily life, then uh, Twitter is the place to find me. So I would encourage you to head down there, search for Troy Francis or at Troy7Laws and follow me. And yes, we will have a great time. And I will hopefully give you loads and loads of content that you find really useful and really practical and actionable. So that's uh, the introductory little upsell kind of parish notices news bit, if you like. And now I want to get straight into the topic for this week's podcast, which is the 10 rules of the modern Casanova. Now, if you do follow me on Twitter, then you will see on March the 8th, and I think that was the Tuesday of last week, forgive me if I'm wrong, but anyway, it was a weekday last week. I put out on Twitter 10 laws of the modern Casanova, or rather, I should say, 10 rules of the modern Casanova. Um, I put them out during the day. They were interspersed in about hourly increments, I think. So about once an hour, a new rule came up uh, during the day. And uh, it got a lot of attention. The rules were, were shared a lot. I had guys commenting on them. I had guys messaging me about them. Um, I had, uh, as I say, a bit of, a bit of a reasonable amount of interest and, and buzz around these rules that I put out. So I thought today in the podcast, it would be, be useful to talk through them, go through them one by one, each of the 10 rules for the modern Casanova, and um, 
talk through you know why I selected that rule and how I think it applies in my life and uh, hopefully in your life too. So before we crack uh, into the first rule, it's worth talking a little bit about the idea of the modern Casanova. Now, obviously, the uh, the podcast is called The Modern Casanova. And the book that I'm working on, which should be available at the beginning of April, is also going to be called The Modern Casanova. That is, unless uh, there are any last-minute changes in that title, but I think that's the title we are, we are going with. Um, so I'm really building up this idea of the modern Casanova. Now, of course, people will know the historic Casanova, the Casanova of the 18th century, whose uh, fantastic biography, or sorry, autobiography rather, is really kind of required reading if you want to get into this stuff, because he talks about game before game in any kind of formal sense that had been identified or, or ever discussed before, really. And his his autobiography really discusses or, or, or shows him going around Europe, going around the world, uh, his various romantic and sexual intrigues, his political intrigues. Um, there's a lot of really interesting period detail. There's a lot of humour in there. There's a lot of insights into how he was uh, such a great seducer and how he, he achieved that and maintained it. So really, really entertaining books and a really, uh, or, or book rather, although it's made up of uh, a number of volumes. Really interesting stuff. I would highly recommend it. Uh, the language is, is slightly antiquated, as you might expect. So um, you can buy, actually, a, uh, a shortened version of it. I think Penguin do a shortened version of it that you can buy. So you don't have to wade through the entire things, and it gives you the most uh, meaty, fun episodes, if you like. So that's something to have a look at, but I would highly recommend that book to find out more about the historic Casanova. But thinking about 2017, thinking about today when we have Tinder and we have uh, Snapchat and we have instant dates and we have day game and we have YouTube videos and all the rest of it and WhatsApp and all the rest of it. Um, what does being a Casanova mean today? And I think that's really the key uh, subject area that I am currently focused on, obviously with this uh, podcast, obviously with my blog, and obviously with the book that I'm working on at the moment. So I thought about these rules, and I, I want to make it clear now that this is not, I don't want to give the impression that this is hard and fast, that these are the diktats of the modern Casanova, and that these will never change, because these are 10 laws that I came up with fairly quickly when I was thinking about it uh, before I posted them up. They may change in the future, I may modify them, I may choose to expand this to incorporate uh, further rules, or I may uh, switch out some rules for, for other things. But this is kind of where my head is at at the moment in terms of 10 things that I would recommend that the modern Casanova, or you, the guy who is you know perhaps uh, looking to get laid, is looking for maybe for a relationship or marriage, or is looking to go out and you know test the marketplace a bit before making a you know a commitment if that's what you want to do and as i've said before i wouldn't recommend making a monogamous commitment really before the age of you know certainly your late 30s really uh but anyway whatever your your motivations are these laws i think will really help you in in your endeavor and the other thing to say is that while most of these 
pertain to uh, game or seduction or sex in some way, they certainly don't all apply to that. And some of them can be used in other contexts other than around game and meeting women and meeting girls and seducing them. So hopefully this is going to be really helpful from a game perspective, but also from a life perspective as well. So with all of that being said, let's crack into it. So the first rule of the modern Casanova, which I tweeted on March the 8th uh, in the morning, I think about eight o'clock UK time, was always put yourself first. Now, why did I make that the first rule? Well, I think it's important really in so many ways. I think it's so important that people, and particularly guys, because obviously I'm predominantly here talking to a male audience, I think it's really important that we look to put ourselves first in everything. And I have this idea of uh, what I like to call positive selfishness. And what I mean by that is to say, ultimately, I think we need to be a little bit selfish. Now, I don't mean in a nasty way. I don't mean in a way that disadvantages other people uh, unnecessarily. I don't mean being uh, an asshole as such. I just think that we need to put ourselves and what we want to do, and, and, and key to all of this is our mission, we need to put that first. And also we need to put ourselves our own needs first as well. And the reason for that is very simple. This is something that gets taught if you go to recovery groups, if you go to sort of rehab groups, if you if you go if you go for counseling, if you if you accept any kind of um help or assistance of that kind, what you'll often be told is you should you need to put yourself first. And the reason for that is a lot too many of us, and this applies to men and women, are people pleasers, we're caretakers. We want to help other people, which is fine, which is all laudable, it's, it's great, but then we neglect ourselves. And the truth of the matter is, <clears throat> we can only truly help someone else if we've helped ourselves first. And a particular issue that I think men um, encounter, and I've certainly encountered in relationships throughout my life, is the tendency, of course, to pedestalize a girl, the tendency to put a girl on the pedestal and make everything about her. And when you're in your early 20s, that seems like the thing you should do. And it seems very, you know, maybe cute. And it seems, uh, you know, um, gentlemanly. And crucially, it seems like what you should be doing in order to get girls to be attracted to you. It That's what we're told, isn't it? That's what we're told through the movies. That's what we're told through sitcoms, uh, you know, TV and so on. Put the girl on the pedestal, kowtow to the girl, and she will love you for it. Now, that, of course, we know now is incorrect. That doesn't work. Why doesn't it work? Well, there's a saying, um, I don't know where this originated from, but there is a saying that no good deed ever goes unavenged. That is, no good deed ever goes unavenged. Which is quite a dark thought when you think about it. But what I think it means is that unfortunately, and this really is kind of the heart of the red pill, I suppose, in inverted commas, is that human nature is such that um, if you're too nice, if you put other people first all the time, then there's going to be a tendency for other people to take advantage of you and potentially to destroy you. And that's a very 
bleak thing to you know to to think about that's a very bleak worldview if you like and i'm not saying that there aren't good people out there i'm not saying that this is a, a universal constant but you are better off in the short to medium term and even indeed in the long term to put yourself and your goals first and when you've got those things sorted then you can go on to look at the other people around you the other people around you who are in your life you know what can you do to help your family what can you do to help your friends what can you do to help people who are less fortunate than you um, what can you do for charity and you know maybe what can you do for your girlfriend if you have a girlfriend but what you don't want to be doing is unduly putting that girlfriend or a female love interest at the top of the the pile because that's just the wrong way round. That's just the wrong way of doing it. You need to put yourself first. You need to think, I mean, we're not on earth for very long, are we? It's a cliche, but it's true. We're not here for very long. What do you really want to do? If you get to the age of 70 and you haven't done it, and it's going to go quickly, life goes quickly, and you haven't done it, how are you going to feel then? You know, And if you haven't done it for some girl who you were dating when you were younger, who ended up cheating on you, or you got divorced, or you, you know, the relationship didn't go as you wanted, then how are you really going to feel then? You know, And the other thing as well is, what, however you feel about relationships, red pill, blue pill, whatever else, surely we can all agree that a relationship is meant to support you in what you want to do. It's meant to support both of the parties. So if it's not doing that, then you have to question what you're doing in that relationship, really. So, and, and I mean relationship, whether that's a marriage or whether that is a short-term uh, relationship that you've developed, you know, on a fairly casual basis. You need to think about that. So that's the first rule. Always put yourself first. Don't be an asshole, but make sure that your goals and your aims are central in your life because it is your life and that's the bottom line really okay modern casanova rule number two there is no one special girl now this is very 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 important and this is key again to what we might call uh red pill thinking for want of a better phrase, Um, this notion that there's no one special girl. Now, the way that we are socialised, the way that we are brought up, the way that we are taught by TV and movies and uh, pop music and any other kind of cultural ephemera, ephemera, I can't say the word, uh, really would suggest that actually there is one special girl. There is one special person and she is out there and if you can just find her, and make love with her, then you will have beautiful babies, and those babies will go on to uh, grow up and become doctors and lawyers and football coaches, football stars, and they will provide for you in your old age, and you will have a beautiful, amazing life. That's the the idea, and for many people, that's the goal. You know, that is that is what they want: the perfect family, the perfect woman, and so on. What we have to avoid though, as modern Casanovas, is this idea that there is one special girl, there is one girl who, above all others out there, is an angel who complements you perfectly, who is your, you know, perfect other half, your cellmate, uh, your soulmate. Ha! Not cellmate, but, you know, you can see why 
the Freudian slip because that's often how it can how it can pan out. Um, the soulmate myth. This is a myth. I mean, to be clear, again, look. I mean, I am not saying that there aren't women out there who are more suited to you, to your personality. There are women who are better for you out there than others. Some are going to be better than others, without a doubt. And I'm also not trying to underplay the value of what we might call connection. Because, you know, we're all human beings. We do have connections with people. I've had um, a great many relationships. I've had a great many uh, sexual um, relationships with, with women, but also longer-term relationships as well. And everything in between from sort of a, a few weeks to a few months to a few years. So, you know, I've seen a lot of... Um, I've got a lot of experience of, of this. And what I would say is that without a doubt, there are people with whom... There are women with whom I have a better connection than others. And that's only natural and that's to be expected. And um, as people may know, I came out of a relationship fairly fairly recently with a girl who I had in many ways a very strong connection with. And, you know, that process, even for somebody who knows about this stuff and writes about this stuff and talks about this stuff, that the process of coming out of a relationship like that is not necessarily an easy one. Because you know, however alpha you pretend to be behind the keyboard, the truth is we all have feelings or, you know, most of us have feelings. Now, the more psychopathic amongst us, perhaps less so, but but nevertheless, you know, attachment is a real thing. It's part of pair bonding. It's uh, a biological reality. If we didn't pair bond, then we wouldn't, you know, children wouldn't be looked after when they were born and the human race would uh, would suffer as a result of that. So pair bonding is a a natural biological urge or a natural biological phenomenon and we can't get away from that that is a part of life but what we need to do is we need to use our our heads as well as our hearts to use the colloquial phrase and what i mean by that is you've got to be sensible about this i mean you've got to be logical about it as well if there are billions and billions of women on this planet then clearly just from a statistical point of view it can't make sense that one of them out of all of those millions of billions and billions of women that one of them is absolutely perfect it, it just it just doesn't make sense mathematically the reality as i see it is is different i think uh, as i said there are certain women um and indeed there are certain people who are a better fit for you in your life who you're going to get on with better who you're going to be on the same wavelength with that's undeniable but we need to get away from this idea that this one girl is perfect and she's irreplaceable and she is, you can't live without her because down that road lies one-itis and down the road of one-itis, uh, you will get to a very, very sticky end. It's not a pleasant road to go down. And even if you're in love, even if you're living together, even if you're married, I would urge you still to retain just a touch of removal from that from that emotion if you like um i'm trying to think of a better word really but you need to be a little bit detached that's not to say that you can't love somebody that's not to say that you can't you know be there for them and enjoy those feelings and everything if that's what you're you're looking for but you need to be a little bit detached because she isn't perfect she's just a human being she's just another woman 
things may go wrong, something may happen that you don't foresee, you may have to adjust to living without her. And, you know, you can't do that because nobody is irreplaceable. Nobody is irreplaceable. And that's the truth of the matter. You know, you will find somebody else that you have another connection with. It may not be the same kind of connection, but you know, you will, there will be somebody else out there that you will find some form of connection with. I've had so many girls that I've had connections with over the years of various kinds. And, you know, I split up with one and I think I'm never going to be able to replace that. And sure enough, you know, a, a while later, somebody else comes along and that connection, or rather a different connection, but a no less vital connection is established with her. So, you know, there's a lot of women out there. There's a lot of people out there. We're all just human beings. None of us are perfect. None of us are uh, special in the sense that, you know, we are all flawed. We're all animals at root. And um, yeah, you know, you don't want to get caught up in that scarcity feeling, that kind of scarcity mentality, that one-itis um, thing because that's very very unhealthy modern casanova rule number three is achieve freedom at any cost now this is this maybe this should have been number one actually um as i say i'll probably rejig this list as, as i go on but i wanted to get it out to you in this kind of um prototype form achieve freedom at any cost i mean for me, I think the key, the key question with all of this really is how, how do we live our lives, okay? That's what, underpinning all of this stuff, I mean, you can talk about game, you can talk about pick-up, um, but why do we have to do game? Why do we have to do pick-up? Well, we have to do that because something has shifted in the dating marketplace in the last 20 or 30 years that has meant that um, it's become arguably harder for men to uh well in some ways it's become easier for men to meet and have sex with women because of the cultural revolution of the the sexual revolution of the 60s so now and, and of course now we have a situation where casual sex is the norm rather than something that's frowned upon so in that sense it's easier but on the other hand it's not a situation that it might have been say in the 50s where you would meet you know the girl at the girl in the in the same village and you'd get married and you'd have a family together and you'd be together forever and that would be it you know now we're in this kind of uh no holds barred dating marketplace i suppose where everything is uncertain everything is um chain is ever changing um fidelity is not guaranteed marriage for life is not guaranteed um girls have loads and loads and loads of options through tinder and snapchat and facebook and dating sites and all the rest of it and guys approaching them and everything else so we're in a very very volatile uh marketplace essentially and so you know given all of that that's why guys have to learn pick up that's why guys come to you know sites like mine or return of kings or you know whatever else to to learn about how to attract women but then you have to think what do i want to do with that so do i want to do all of that do i want to you know learn this this skill set and then get married do i want to you know then throw throw my chips in and um you know get into a monogamous relationship or or not and increasingly and, and, you know, this is a key question. This is a key question. And, you know, a big issue really there is, do you want to have children or not? Because if you want to have children, then what is the best way of 
enabling that? And is it marriage? Now, that's a whole other subject area, and I don't really want to get into that now because we can do another whole podcast on that. But, you know, there's that issue. So you've got to think about, you know, do you want to have a family? If you don't, say, for example, and I'm at a place now where I think that I don't, although, you know, I, would, I wouldn't rule it out 100%, but it's not an ambition of mine at the moment. Then you have to think, well, what do I do now? You know, if I don't want the family then why get married? Um, because if I do that, I'm giving up my freedom. I'm, I'm voluntarily handing over the keys of my, <laughs> of my existence to somebody else. You know, I'm voluntarily limiting my freedom. As it is at the moment, you know, I'm single. I can pretty much decide to pack up and move to Berlin. I could move to Poland tomorrow. I could move to Spain. Until, uh, until Brexit takes full effect and us Brits are kicked out of the EU forever um, and they don't let us back in or not to live or work anyway, uh, which will be in about two years' time. Only joking, we'll see what happens, but, you know. Um, you know, at the moment we've got freedom of movement, so I can move anywhere in, in, in Europe. I could move to the States. Um, that would take a bit more work in terms of visas and stuff, but, you know, in principle, I can move anywhere in the world and I can work anywhere in the world and I've got nobody who's telling me that I can't do that. Which is great, you know, but that freedom comes at a cost because, you know, for one thing, I've had to come out of a relationship recently. That is a cost. You know, that girl, um, as I said, was somebody I had a strong connection with. Um, I loved, in inverted commas. I, you know, had feelings for and, you know, to walk away from that and to have walked away from a number of other relationships before is even for somebody who is, you know, in inverted commas, into game, into pickup. You know, I can um, meet other women without too much difficulty, particularly in London. Um, that is a cost, you know, and I have to put that down on the balance sheet of life and think, well, what do I want more? Do I want the affection and the love of that girl or do I want, you know, my freedom? Okay. Now we go on to the next rule, which is, well, it kind of ties in actually. So apply a cost-benefit analysis to every relationship in your life. Now, I think this is really important because I had to do that with the ex-girlfriend. You know, what was she adding? What was she taking away? Sounds very cold-blooded. Maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe it is. But the problem is, these things sound cold-blooded, but you know, for too long, I think guys and myself included, you know, we're swept along on this wave of sentiment. So, you know, we we act on our feelings and we don't apply any rigour to the decision-making process. So, you know, I, I'm sure many of you, I know guys who who meet a girl, they fall in love, they get married, and then they've got two kids. And they haven't really even thought about it. You know, they haven't even really thought about the implications of that. And once you've done it, that is your life. For better or worse, that is your life. You know, I mean, okay, you can you can walk out and, you know, do whatever. But um, your life is then set in one direction. And I think we need to take a step back from that and think, well, actually, you know, what do I want? And this goes back to, you know, keeping yourself um, at the forefront. You know, you've got to think, what, what do I want? What is this person doing in, in my life? Are they adding to it or are they taking away? And if they're taking away... I think you need to think seriously about what you're going to do with them. Morning Casanova rule number five, approach every day without fail. Now, this is a, a 
a bit of a no-brainer, really. This is a if you've read any of my pickup stuff, if you've read any of my dating advice, you will know that I very strongly recommend this because you need to keep a pipeline. If so, if like me, you're in a position where okay, I'm not married, I've split up from my girlfriend, um, but I want to have a sex life. You know, I want to have a romantic life. I want to get laid. Um, and, and you know, I'm I'm forty. I'm over forty now, and um, you know, perhaps the hunger to have a different girl. Um, in my bed every single night of the week is has has reduced a little bit. Um, I'm more focused on other things. I'm more focused on work, finances, um, you know, creating content and so on. But you know, I want to ha- I want to have a sex life. I want to have a romantic life. Um, how do I do that? Well, you know, for reasons that we've discussed, I've discussed it on my website and in articles, and you know, I, I will no doubt talk about it again in detail. The marketplace is such that you need to. Um, you need to have a pipeline. You need to ensure that pipeline's being filled. Now, the way that I would do that is through largely through day game. So I will make an effort to approach a girl every single day. Not the same girl, obviously, that would be that would be really weird. But approach a different girl every day and, you know, have a conversation, try to get the phone number. Now, it's not gonna it's not gonna happen every time. There's a lot of rejection that that occurs in, in day game as in all types of game, but because of that consistency of effort, if I'm meeting, even if I only approach one every day, and actually I'm aiming more for 100 a month, but that's, again, another another podcast, really. Um, even if I do one a day, any year, that's 365 new women that I have uh, come into contact with, if you like, I've made contact with. When you think about the average guy in the street, how many who doesn't do game, who doesn't do pickup, how many new women is he meeting in a year? I don't know, you know, a few in clubs, um, maybe through social circle. Um, I mean, let's be generous and say one a week. That would be 50 in a, you know, 50 in a year, 52 in a year. And he pro- it's probably less than that because he probably hangs around with the same group of, of people and, you know, there aren't new prospects within that. Um, all the time, maybe he doesn't go out to, to clubs and things every week. So, so generously, let's say fifty. If I'm meeting three hundred and fifty-two new girls every year, that's phenomenally more, you know. And naturally, just by the sheer weight of numbers, it's likely that I'm gonna get more success from that than the guy who's only meeting. 50 at absolute maximum. So approach every day. And that really leads into rule number six, which is always have options. Well, how do you get options? The only way that you get options is by creating them. I think Paul Janker, my friend, the day game uh, god, if you like, of the uh, of the New York scene back in the early 2000s, uh, said, has said before that, you know, when he was out there on the streets, when he was approaching, you know, he got loads of numbers, he got loads of sex, loads of action. When he stopped and he came to London and he was in a relationship, you know, he nothing happens now. Girls don't come up and approach him. He's a good-looking guy, but he doesn't, you know, women don't come up and approach him and offer him sex or give them, give him their phone number um, because he's not putting any action in. He's not initiating. So, You've got to make this stuff happen to, to get to get these options. To get options, you need to put action in to make things happen. So therefore, approach every day, then you will have options and you need to ensure that you've always got options because without options, you can't walk away. And as has been said before by 
um, by many great game writers, is that the biggest tool in your arsenal, or rather the most powerful tool in your arsenal, is the ability to walk away. But it's very hard to walk away if you have no options. And that's why, you know, the, the stereotypical beta guy gets trapped in his marriage, because he's got literally no other option of... Um, you know, an outlet for his sexual frustration or a, a source for affection that he maybe once got from his wife or, or love. So he's stuck in his marriage. If you've got options, and if you've got financial options, sexual options, uh, property options, travel options, then suddenly you can walk away because you're not stuck anymore. So that's really, really key. And that, and that obviously keys into this idea about freedom as well. Um, rule number seven always be escalating. Now, when I wrote this, of course, I was talking largely about game, because if you've read any of my writing about uh, dating, then you'll know that, and actually, sorry, I mean game in general, you'll know that, for me, escalation is is key, so that is um, escalation verbally, escalation physically, so making that physical connection with the girl as soon as you meet her, um, starting off with, you know, light, innocent, touching and then sort of moving um, th- from that to more, you know, to obviously to kissing and then to more intimate touching. But you need to be um, starting that physical connection early so that it doesn't get, it's not that classic weird thing when the guy lunges in for a kiss, you know, after the first, you know, uh, uh, three hours into the first date and it's really awkward and she turns her cheek and, you know, he's mortified and that's it. You know, you need to seed it in early. You need to be someone that she's comfortable with physically as soon as possible. So always be escalating. And I think you can also apply this though in business and you can apply it in uh, content creation. You can apply it in entrepreneurship because it's all about, you know, you, you need to be pushing. That's the point. You need to be pushing the envelope all the time. Don't just start something and then hope that you're going to get to wherever you want to get. No, you need to start something by all means, but then push it, you know, push it to the next level incrementally every day. How can I, how can I, how can I take this to the next level? How can I become, you know, slightly more intimate with her? Can I, okay, we've, we've kissed. Can I now, you know, take a taxi? Will she come back to, can I ask her to come back to my apartment? She comes back to my apartment. Can I offer her a glass of wine? Can we kiss on the sofa? Maybe, you know, how do I escalate it? So it becomes uh, sexual the same way in business, you know, okay, I've sold three books today, how can I sell a fourth book, you know, what can I do to, to, to make, to push it, can I maybe put out some more content, can I make a video, can I, uh, you know, make an extra podcast episode, what can I do to, to push it, and that's what you need to be doing with everything, always be escalating, always be pushing. Rule number eight, you set the narrative, not others. This is really about frame control. And um, I mean, again, I think I'm going to do a whole episode on this. So I won't talk about this in too much detail. Also, I'm kind of running out of time. So apologies for that. Because uh, I've, I've probably overrun slightly on this. But um, but yeah, uh, you set the narrative, not other people. So the key thing really with this is don't allow other people's narrative framework. Don't allow other people's interpretation of the facts to uh, to cloud the issue you've got to set that narrative you've got to set the you've got to set out the story and this is this is the story this is how you see it this is this is these are the facts this is what happened so you know I, I mean I suppose and of course you know we can talk about Donald Trump because he is a 
I don't, I don't know if I'd say he's a master at it, but it's certainly something, certainly frame control, control of the narrative is something that the Trump administration is, you know, actively, uh, you know, pursuing at the moment. So when the, uh, the media comes in and starts talking about, you know, the connections to Russia and, you know, whatever, whatever may have happened there, uh, Trump is keen to uh, firstly paint the media as being fake and corrupt and secondly, move the move the story away from that onto something else. So, so Trump will do his damnedest to control that narrative. And you know, I think there's a, there's a lot of skepticism around that. Um, obviously, from the particularly you know the liberal media, but um, for Trump's supporters, for Trump's followers, you know that that works because he is controlling the narrative. And you need to do the same thing for yourself. So, um, you know, don't accept criticism, subtle criticism, implied criticism, you know, if somebody sort of implies you are, you know, not great at your job, or you're not, you know, you're not um, a worthy sexual prospect for, for women or something, you, you don't brook that at all. The The reality is what you say the reality is. So you've got, to, and I'm not suggesting that you say this directly, but you've got to, you've got to be giving the impression, no, actually, I'm a fucking great operator. I'm a, I'm a solid operator i'm a great you know sexual operator i'm a great operator at work i'm a great businessman i'm a great entrepreneur whatever it is that's the message that you've got to be putting out whether that's true or not it doesn't really matter this isn't about truth this is about setting setting out your stall this is about you controlling the way that you are perceived by other people and not allowing them to uh you know perceive you in a way that is detrimental to you basically but as I say I think that's quite a complicated issue and I'm going to do some more work around that because um, I think that's really key and actually really interesting subject matter to get into uh, modern Casanova rule number nine there are no good girls or bad girls um, I think this this one's been talked about quite a lot uh, by if you follow game writing in general you know we have the virgin whore uh concept if you like uh you know men think about women as being virgins or whores and nothing in between and of course that's just not the that's just not the case and i can tell you that from my own personal experience that you know that there are not there's no such thing as good girls and bad girls there are just girls and it's the same with with guys really i mean it's it people are not black or white people are not the extremes you know people are actually somewhere in the middle and um there's a great podcast by Tom Torero that I think it's his possibly the his last one um or maybe the one before last actually I was I was listening to a piece of content by him anyway and he was talking about uh this very issue and um yeah you know the the virgin whore thing it's uh it it, it not only is it um not true but it's also damaging it's also damaging to your game because if you believe that there are certain girls out there who are perfect and special and angels then you're going to be gaming them in a different way to the girls that you think are you know cheap and easy and slutty if that if that distinction existed in reality and that's not going to help you in getting to where you want to be that's going to make it more difficult for you that's going to make it you know because you need to be appro- approaching in a way that's going to work rather than in, in a way that's based on this kind of idealized fantasy about the way that women are and finally modern casanova rule number 10 be a risk taker 
And again, I think this applies in all areas. This is about game. This is about business. This is about work. This is about uh, sport. This is about life in general. Be a risk taker. Why not be a risk taker? Because as I said earlier, you know, we're not here for very long. Um, and I, somebody once said, <clears throat> do what makes the best story. And I think there's something very cool about that. Uh, do what makes the best story. Is, are you, is it going to be a better story that, no, it was kind of cold, so I stayed in and, you know, watched telly and went to bed? Or is it going to be a better story? There was this crazy, you know, Spanish flamenco club, and so I went there, and then I met these these girls and these guys, and I went back to this mad party, and then this happened, and you know, we all ended up back in, we all ended up in the south of France, and I don't know what happened, but it was really crazy and amazing. What's going to be the better story? It's obviously it's going to be the second one, and you get the better stories, and you get a more interesting life if you take more risks and you also get more success if you take more risks because the more that you put yourself on the line be it with a podcast or going and approaching a girl or writing an article or uh, going on a date or whatever it is the more risk that you take the more chances that that some of those risks are going to pay off and they're going to pay off big and that's what you want that's what you you, you want to maximize your chances for success by maximizing the risk that you take in a safe way. I'm not saying take stupid risks. I'm not saying, you know, tight walk across the Grand Canyon or something. But within reason, you want to be a risk taker rather than somebody who avoids risk. It's also more masculine. It's also more dominant. It's more alpha. If you, you know, you want to use that term, be a risk taker. Don't be somebody who shirks risk. Okay, we've done over 40 minutes now which is a bit longer than I wanted to, but hopefully I've been through all the 10 modern Casanova rules. Hopefully you found that useful, interesting, thought-provoking. I will put the rules up on my blog uh, at some point next week so you can see them in written form. They're on Twitter, but obviously you'd have to wade through quite a few posts, uh, sorry, tweets rather, to, to see them. So let me collect them somewhere in writing so you can see them. And... Yeah, please give me your thoughts on those. Please let me know what you think about those 10 modern Casanova rules. Do you think that's a good list? Do you think there are things that I should have included? Do you think there are things that I should have left out or moderated or changed in some way? I think you hopefully can get an idea of what I'm doing here. I'm trying to draw up a framework of recommended sort of behaviors and 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 mindsets that men can use that apply to all areas of their life really so it it's predominantly about dating and sex but not totally because we also need to look at our life in totality you know how what's our life like and a lot of, a lot of that's around how much personal freedom you've got how much money you make how much fun you have so i hope that the 10 rules are useful and that you got something out of this and Really, really keen to hear your feedback either on Twitter or at my website or you can email me as well if you go to my website, which is realtryfrancis.com. That's realtryfrancis.com. You can send me an email and let me know your thoughts. So please do get in touch. And finally, I must just do a little plug for my book, The Seven Laws of Seduction. So if you want to find out more about my specific methods for meeting girls and having sex with them, um, really hot girls too, not not ugly ones. Um, go to Amazon and uh, search for Troy Francis 
or search for The Seven Laws of Seduction, which is my ebook, which has been out um, for a while now and is, 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 is selling actually better and better as time goes on. So I know people are getting a lot of value from it. I know people are, uh, I get a lot of emails from people who tell me how it's changed their perspective on dating, how they've got relationships through the techniques I describe, how they've got laid through it. So people got a lot of value from that and I'm sure you will too. Um, It's a very, very comprehensive uh, guide, textbook to everything from approaching to how to keep um, an interaction going over text, what do you do on a date, how do you escalate um, and then what do you do once you've got the girl? How do you create maybe a harem if you want to have different girls or how do you, you know, what do you do once the relationship has has started. So I definitely check that out, The Seven Laws of Seduction. Uh, check me out on Twitter, uh, Troy Seven Laws. That's um, Troy Seven at Troy Seven Laws. And failing that, we will catch up next week for another fun packed Morning Casanova podcast. See you soon. Bye bye.